0: What up, world? It's your past 1st point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Indochino, the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. Also, today's episode is the latest installment of the Lockdown Blazers countdown to training camp. We're dedicating a full episode to every player on Portland's roster and giving you a brief but thorough look at what they'll bring to the Blazers. We'll look at how they performed last season and how they wound up on the Blazers. We'll talk about best case and worst case scenarios for the upcoming year and we'll finish the episode off with a discussion of expectations and their likely role on the team. This is our sixth installment of the countdown to training camp, so if you missed any players so far, check your podcast feed and find them to catch up. Today, we're talking all things Gary Trent Jr., so let's start by reviewing the 2018 19 season for the former 37th pick in the 2018 NBA Draft. Gary Trent Jr. appeared in a whopping 15 games, which included a start and a full 48 minute performance in the final regular season game. So, when considering his season, I think it might be worthwhile to separate games 1 through 14 and games 15 as separate entities. Uh, He played 48 minutes in that last game. He played 63 total minutes through the other 14. So in those other 14 games, what did Trent do? I mean, not a lot. He averaged one and a half points per game. He was eight for 31 from the floor, four for 16 from three, and he never played more than eight minutes in any game. I think his, his high is seven minutes and 53 seconds up until the final game of the regular season. In which the you may recall the blazers rested everyone probably in an effort to intentionally lose and not play the oklahoma city thunder in the playoffs unfortunately for them the end of the blazers bench just would not lose they won the game gary trent jr in that game 19 points on eight of 19 shooting two boards three assists a block a steel and a turnover in the full 48 minutes He made as many shots in that game as he did in all the other games he played in combined. But that was it. We didn't see much of Gary Trent. He spent the entire postseason wearing a suit and cool loafers without socks because the man's got style. But that wasn't the only time he played. Last season, he had a brief stint in the G League. Uh, I will remind you that the Blazers do not have a G League team because they don't care for the G League. They believe strongly that they can develop guys in-house. So they usually send rookies to the G League for like 10 days, two weeks during the regular season, usually after the new year when it's clear the rookies aren't going to be part of the plan, but they need to play a little bit. Uh, It usually coincides kind of with the all-star break, sort of in that range. But Gary Trent Jr. played six games with the Texas Legends in the G League. He was really good down there in the minor leagues. In six games in the G League, he averaged 33.3 points per game. He shot both 50% from the field and 50% from three. He averaged 5.5 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 1.7 steals in 34.4 minutes with Texas. His big highlight in the G League was hitting a game-winning three-pointer against Sioux Falls. Um... If you recall the highlight, you got to be a real head to recall the um Gary Trent Jr. G League highlight, but luckily here at Lockdown Blazers we're real heads. I remembered it so I looked it up and rewatched it before recording this podcast. But his big highlight is he, he they got the ball, you know, last under 5 seconds, final possession. They know it's going through him and he takes a screen, dribbles to his right, gets just below the break in the corner gets enough space to hit a little mini step back three cash yells in the defender's face and they win the game. You know, you didn't do a lot in the league when I am breaking down the play by play of a G league highlight, but it really was the outside of the, uh, 19 points of the final game. It really was Gary Trent Jr.'s biggest professional highlight last season. Was that, uh, was that G league game notably wearing a pink Jersey because they were doing some sort of promotion where they wore pink. Um, You can find it. It's on the internet. Check it out. But yeah, he was good in the G League. 33 a game. Um, Usually NBA guys or like NBA roster type guys when they go down to the G League, they generally do kill it for a variety of reasons. One, particularly with the Blazers, they weren't going to send Gary Trent somewhere where he wasn't going to get a lot of shots. I think he averaged almost 20 field goal attempts a game in the G League. And uh, the, the... like the usage is high for roster type guys. You know, if they're going down, they're going down to play, not to watch, generally speaking. So um, you would expect him to be a little bit better than the level of competition, but it's really just just a heightened opportunity that's going to lead to big games. And also, if you make half your shots, you're going to put up huge points. So it's, you know, a, a lot of guys go big in the G League. So 33 is a ton and it shouldn't be scoffed at, but it's also not totally unheard of for guys to go down for a brief period and have these big games. Gary Trent Jr. also played in Summer League for the Blazers this summer. Uh, Portland did not win the Summer League Championship, so he didn't get uh, 11 Summer League games in Vegas, but he did play in five games. He averaged 20 points, um, 6.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, a steal and a half in about 29 minutes. Um, It was kind of an up-and-down Summer League for Gary Trent. Uh, When he was up, he was really up, though. Game one, he didn't look good. He had 10 points on 3 of 12 shooting. Then he had this monster game, 31. He made 7 of 8 threes, 10 of 12 from the floor. He was so good in that game, they just couldn't guard him. He made threes in basically every imaginable way. Uh, the rest of the, the final three games, he just didn't shoot well. He had some nice nights, but 12 points on 4 of 15. Then 22 points on 8 of 24. Then 28 points on 11 of 24. You know, never shot above 50% except for in that one game where he went nuts. But... I, you know I'm not gonna nitpick summer League stats. I don't think they're super meaningless. I think what we saw from his game was that he expanded a little bit than more of what we saw uh, I think in the NBA he projects as a spot up shooter, a three and D type wing um, mostly just an off, mostly at this stage just an offensive player. Um, he's probably has a little more at least in summer league from from the little bit I watched him. Probably a little more strength going towards the rim than I would have, uh, than I remember him at Duke. Um, you'll recall that I'm a Carolina guy, so um, I have watched Gary Trent. I only watched Carolina games, so I did see Gary Trent Jr. play twice in college, so that's my big scout of him. I saw him play 80 minutes or whatever, you know, 55 minutes in college, but more to his game in that summer league than I recall from his, from his college days, certainly, from, for my money. Uh, and you know, he had a couple of those games when he wasn't shooting well and, and, um, in summer league where he had five, five assists, I think in consecutive games, he posted up a little bit using a six, six frame to be just bigger than people. But without getting any deeper into the, his stats than I already have from G league and summer league and whatnot, the truth is we just haven't seen enough or heard of no, enough of Gary Trent Jr. to make a substantive ju- judgment in either direction. Um, that's not what we aim to do here in this segment but it's an important caveat that I just wanted to say right now. Um, I also want to mention this. The Blazers, like I said, don't have a G League team, and they don't want one. They strongly believe in developing guys behind the scenes, so the biggest progress Gary Trent Jr. made happened at the practice facility in Towalton, not on the court in Vegas or in Texas. Um, and really, Trent's season is a question mark. Uh, I kind of wonder if it's fair to put any expectations on him, just because of the chances that... Any second-round pick as an NBA player so slim. Uh, however, the Blazers gave him a multi-year deal. They traded two first, two future second-round picks to go get him. They clearly wanted him. And he's part of the plan, at least theoretically, into the future. He's under contract through the 2020-21 season, so two more years on the team. And the question is, will he get an opportunity? And how big of a window when will he ever get to show that he can contribute? That's an unknown. And in the second segment, I want to talk about the best case and worst case scenarios for a second season in the league, about his opportunities, about his chances to contribute, and, and what that might mean for the Blazers. But before we get there, I want to tell you guys, we got a title sponsor for the episode, y'all, Indochino. It's the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear brand. This week, my listeners, that's y'all, can get any premium Indochino suit for just at Indochino.com when you enter the code LOCKEDON at checkout. Okay, so we talked Gary Trent's 2018-19 rookie season in review. He didn't give us a ton of real measurable things to uh to base his best case worst case scenarios on but that won't stop me from giving them to you and as a reminder with this segment i the way i've done all of them so far go back and listen these best case worst case scenarios are within reason and without injuries i'm not talking about guys winning mvp unless it's reasonable that they'll win mvp and a worst case scenario will never include injuries because why would we talk about that so let us start with the best case scenario the good news first for me, the best case scenario for Gary Trent is that he plays, and he plays because he's too good to bench. That means he leapfrogs Kent more and likely earns playing time ahead of fellow second-year guard Anthony Simons. The best case for Gary Trent Jr. is that he becomes a regular part of Terry Stott's playing rotation because his combination of shooting and relative size on the wing makes him an asset. The best case for him is that you can remember a few of his games. If Gary Trent Jr. has any moment at the end of the season that you can point back to and say, remember when Gary Trent Jr. did this, and it's a thing that happened on the basketball court, that has to be considered a major success. The best case scenario is that Gary Trent Jr. is a part of the plan, a part of the nightly discussion of what happened in the Blazer games. The worst case scenario for Gary Trent Jr. would be probably a little subtler. On the outside, it'll look a lot like his rookie year, seven minutes in early November, five minutes a week later, six minutes in December, a couple of of, uh, garbage time cameos in January and through April. But the worst case scenario would be things that we don't see, a lack of progress behind the scenes, a waning work ethic brought on by too many days watching and not enough days wearing a basketball jersey. The worst case for Gary Trent Jr. is that heading into year three, he's no longer part of the Blazers' plans. And it'll be hard to appreciate that, because just like his progress, his lack of development will happen behind the scenes. His nights not in the gym are just as perceptible to fans and media as his nights of hard-earned sweat equity. What I want to say there is that Gary Trent Jr. might regress, and he might make real progress, but... We, won't, we probably won't know because I can't imagine that he plays a lot. And I'll talk about that more in the third segment, my expectations for his role this season. But I, what I want to say here is that the worst case for Gary Trent Jr. Is, isn't that he just doesn't play. It's that he doesn't play and doesn't get better. And we might not have any way of knowing that as the viewing public. And beyond that, the worst case for Gary Trent Jr. is that the Blazers use him as like a salary filler in some midseason trade, essentially giving up on him before he has a shot to prove them wrong. The, the worst case for him is that, by some force, either his own or the decision-making of the franchise, that he just never gets a shot with Portland. The worst case scenario is that there are no moments to talk about from Gary Trent Jr. because for whatever reason, he doesn't have an opportunity to make them. I'll add another caveat here and I've done this with a couple of um, these best case worst case scenarios. I think for almost everyone I do on this roster that their best case scenario and their worst case scenario are the far ends of the spectrum and intentionally so the far ends of the reasonable spectrum intentionally so but 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 they're, they're likely to fall in the middle. I think that it's I said the same thing with Nazir Little, and I feel this about Gary Trent Jr. There's very, it seems very unlikely he could reach that best-case scenario. And that doesn't mean that he didn't have a successful season. I think he can have a successful, valuable, useful, meaningful season without being part of the playing rotation. I think that if the best-case scenario was that he's the third guy off the bench that he's the blazers eighth man he plays 17 minutes a night you know and he's he's like a useful nba shooter in year two if that's the best case scenario and i really think that that is the reasonable best case scenario That's why i built the segment the way i did i i think that he has a much harder path reaching that best case scenario I think that's kind of an if that 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 is relatively difficult to attain. Um, but he's much more likely to tend towards that side than the sort of worst case scenario, um, out of the rotation and and disinterested in the process type of thing. Um, a lot of guys will, will when I do these scenarios will land squarely in the middle. They'll be not exactly a surefire starter and a really good contributor on a playoff team, but not exactly a forgotten member of of a of a of a blazer team that struggles i think trent is much he's probably further away it's it's less likely that he'll land on that best case but he could do so many other things that the the spectrum of, of sort of like quiet behind the scenes development is um is much broader than than hitting that far worst case scenario and just kind of flattening out and, and not developing so everyone finishes in the middle that's why you that's why i do this the the spectrum that's why I do the the polar end so you can see what I believe the polls are for a guy's season Trent's going to land somewhere in the middle almost certainly and that's what I want to talk about in the third segment is what is a reasonable role and a reasonable expectations for a guy like Gary Trent Jr for someone who didn't play very much basically didn't play as a rookie and is heading into year two on a team that fancies itself a championship contender Okay, still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond. still past first point guard. And we talked in the first segment all about Gary Trent's rookie season, his 2018-19 year of basketball with the Blazers in the G League and in Summer League. And In the second segment, we talked about the best case and worst case scenarios for him in year two. And what I want to finish the podcast with is talking about a realistic role for a guy like him. I think a realistic role is a lot of watching. It's hard for me to imagine a situation where Trent is playing, honestly. He's behind CJ McCollum, he's behind Kent Bazemore, he's behind Anthony Simons on the depth chart. Or if you think he's a small forward, he's at least behind Rodney Hood, Kent Bazemore again would leapfrog him in that spot, and Mario Hazonia. And, I think it's reasonable to think that Gary Trent plays in more than 14 or 15 games than he did as a rookie, but it's hard for me to imagine him getting action in 50 plus nights without something like really catastrophic happening in front of him on the Blazers roster. Uh, Like I said, we're not considering injuries, but something would have to go wrong for him to appear in that many games, just looking at the roster and and what the Blazers plan on doing. However, however, another caveat. This is a a podcast full of caveats. I'm betting that if we're having one of those nights where it's Terry Stotts starts a guy out of nowhere in the Victor Claver Memorial role, Gary Trent Jr is that guy. And here's why I say that. He kind of fits the bill of the random guy to play 6 minutes of each half for 2 weeks before being on the inactive list for more than a month. Because he's NBA size, like he's 6-6. He can he can he could play two spots. He can play on you can play shooting guard or small forward at 6-6 most nights. He can also shoot. That's a real NBA skill. We haven't really seen him shoot that well at the NBA level, but he hasn't really played. And additionally, the Victor Culver memorial role is a role filled also by Alan Crabb, briefly uh, also Jake Lehman, um, and maybe Pat Conson, but really Crabb and Lehman are, are the guys who followed in Victor Culver's footsteps. It's the guy who's not good enough to play with bad players, but can be hidden in that lineup six minutes with the starters. Noah Vonley did it too a bunch. Here's how you're going to play. You're going to play the first 6 minutes each half. You get your 12 minutes. You only play with Dame, CJ and whoever's starting in the front court. And that's how we hide you and maximize what you can do because with your limited skills, we got to put you on the court with stars. Gary Trent Jr. for me is the guy who is the who is Terry Stotts's weird starter out of nowhere guy. That's a weird prediction, but keep it on the back burner. I've been talking about guys who follow Gary Trent Jr.'s path. And I mentioned this on previous podcasts, but I'll mention it again. The Blazers aren't afraid to let guys develop behind the scenes. They have a track record of kind of putting a guy on ice his rookie year, having him develop in the practice facility, and again, not in the G League, and then rolling him out in years two and three and having them sort of magically or become part of the rotation. It's not necessarily magic. It's, like I mentioned, sweat equity. It's guys who work and understand what their roles are and then and then carve out a spot in the rotation in years two and three. Alan Crabb did it. Pat Connaughton did it. Jake Lehman did it. Uh, Will Barton would have done it if he got the opportunity. CJ McCollum would have done it without some injuries in front of him. He just kind of waited and then finally played out of nowhere because they uh they changed the roster but of the crab Connaughton, and jake layman all of them played at least 30 games in year two and only jake layman out of that trio saw a reduction in his minutes from his rookie season to a sophomore campaign so gary Trent jr if he's following that path you gotta think that he's pushing towards 30 almost 40 appearances in year two however The Blazers' roster and also their expectations for this season just simply might not allow for Gay Trent Jr. to follow that similar path. Um, It should be noted that the Blazers very rarely have completely buried a guy for two full seasons who was part of their plan. If Trent Jr. gets absolutely zero shot this year or close to it, it might spell out his future with the franchise. It might mean his days here are numbered and that they don't see him as... um, truly part of the future plans, even though he's under contract for two more seasons. But he doesn't turn twenty-one until January. He's younger than Crab and Conanton and Layman were all when they were in the same position, which means the Blazers might have some incentive to be more patient and waiting to see what Gary Trent develops into. They might say he can take two full years because when he comes back in year three, he'll just be twenty-one years old. We can kind of still see him growing into all types of things at twenty-one. He's still um very moldable, very very impressionable at that age. He won't be 25 after three, four years of college and kind of a finished product. So there's a chance that that playing time in year two, which I mentioned, there's a chance that him getting to that 30-game mark, which Crabb, Connaughton, and Lehman got to, is totally meaningless. Because in the context of this roster and the Blazers' larger plan for Gary Trent Jr., mapping out what it looked like for Pat Connaughton and Alan Crabb on fringe playoff teams and Jake Lehman for a team that was mostly overachieving, is a little bit different than this team that has been talking specifically about winning an NBA title. I think a reasonable role for Gary Trent Jr. is a similar role they had in year one. And as I mentioned a couple times in this podcast, I don't think we'll know if that's good news or bad news until we get to year three. That's all I got in Gary Trent Jr. I really, really, really appreciate you guys listening. We got more of these player profiles coming out. And like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, if you m- missed any of these, they're waiting in your podcast feed. Just go find them. We're going to do all 15 guys in the roster. You can listen to them in any order you want. So if you just hopped in now and you want to hear the other six that you missed, excuse me, other five that you missed, check them out. Also, do me a favor. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. If you enjoy this podcast and you have friends who are basketball fans, Blazer fans, chances are they'll enjoy it too. Tell them they can find it on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. We've got more player profiles coming up. We've got at least two more this week and maybe three, depending on my workload. I really appreciate guys listening, and I'll talk to you soon.